millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside. Just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Andrew, our dear friend at CBS, Damon Amendolara, used to ask us on regularly to discuss soccer when there'd be a big tournament coming around. And what he liked to do was to say, hey, who are England if they were an NFL team mm. or, or, or a basketball team? You know, kind of play that little game, which we we used to enjoy doing it with him, but literally nobody else because it was the comparisons. We felt comfortable with our audience that we can just say that Spurs are Spurs or Newcastle are Newcastle. We didn't need to give any kind of reference point in sports in the USA. However, when you watch the Jets tonight, we talk about cursed clubs in England. Um, Newcastle, to an extent, nah, in the yeah, past, yeah. and certainly Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. The Jets, I mean, they are absolutely... I At this point now, you have to say... You know, it, maybe it even goes beyond the Johnsons, Woody Johnson. Uh, it, it's it's a franchise that is ready at any moment to get clobbered by the anvil that's just above its head. It's what happened tonight, <laughs> four plays into that game, after all of the hype He's... and like the buildup of hard knocks and like even people who hate Rogers guts were like, I talked to them, they'd be like, you know what, like. Seems like a pretty good teammate. I'm kind of into this. Like, yeah, I'm excited about how this is going to go, especially for the like if he can, if he could go to the Jets and win, like, and four plays in. Now I had I actually have it on in front of me. Uh, I- I'm watching it, right? Um, so by the time you're like we're we're talking about how cursed they are, they're actually driving right now. There's seven minutes to go, and they're driving down a touchdown. But 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 cursed... I mean, I'm talking about taking the air out of a stadium. You know, it was. 
what is an exam what is a Premier League equivalent? Something to, to something like this face I, immediately. Like if Messi had gone to Inter Miami and and like spontaneously combusted right after kickoff, I feel like maybe that would be an equivalent. Um, I think I remember it probably isn't a good one. I'll say it anyway. I think Shevchenko going to I going to Chelsea when that fell apart. Um. That doesn't even but, really but work. But to, to talk about Chelsea as as being any kind of cursed club is no. ridiculous. No, that's I don't true. know. I, I don't know who. I mean, Everton. Um, no, but it's like a big player, a big transfer, a team getting a player, a team that's had so much problems. And this is the guy. He's going to turn it around. We've wanted him forever. And wah, wah. Now, the only thing is, soccer is not... Uh, like you know, it doesn't have a one position that holds the primacy of the of the quarterback. Right, the quarterback is everything in football. Um, so I I guess I guess that doesn't it doesn't really work. But like I mean, it's a thing. The Jets absolutely, and it was so funny, blackly comic, if you will. So he, I mean, and and it's a fairly okay. It's a tight enough turn that Rogers does. It's on the turf. Which he, you know, I mean, he played most of his career on grass or some form of, of clay, depending on what uh, time of year it was in Green Bay. But he turns, it's not that sharp. And he goes down and he knows he feels something he doesn't feel right. And then a few seconds later, it pans to the owner's box. And there's Woody Johnson wearing a bedazzled, what only can be described as an R&B or a rapper's chain of his own name that says Woody on it. And his crestfallen little face behind those spectacles. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this team can't get out of its own way. Anyway. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. I when it happened, I thought you could not you couldn't possibly script this. Oh, they just scored. Oh, well, who knows? We'll see where this goes. Um what a what a podcast we have coming up for you, JJ. Um now this is not what I'm about to say is not a reflection on the job that we're about to do. Okay, we're going to do spectacular work now. But I, my prediction is that this will be one of the least consumed podcasts that we've ever recorded. I would, I would think so. Yeah, and and it, and probably for this week, it'll be the only podcast because I, I'm not sure there's an, there's enough carrying people through here. I would have to say, whoa, we aren't doing an emergency pod after U.S. Oman. He's laughing. You can't hear him. I have muted. to. I have to say this. Um, I enjoy international break. I just do internationally again. The international games what sucked me into soccer. Um, but I'm not feeling that everybody else is is that into it. This this is a, this is a particularly at least for me. This is a rough international break. Kind of is. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the U.S. fixtures are just so not compelling to me. Right. Um. Maybe Euro qualifiers are just not really doing it for me right now. Um, I don't know. Conmebol World Cup qualifying has kind of just started, so it doesn't feel like we've hit a point of jeopardy yet. I don't know. This is a it's a tough international break, and I think that um, well, I also have fun with it. Don't well, of course. I, I also believe too that like l- look at how we just started the pod. We're talking football. Like I think a lot of our audience while being obsessed with soccer and may claiming so- maybe they claim soccer is their favorite sport 
I do think a lot of our audience loves a lot of sports. And right now, if you're one of those people, the NFL is what's on your mind. And your podcast consumption this week will probably reflect that. So I'm making a prediction. I think it's going to be one of the least consumed pods we've ever done. But okay. uh, but I, by the same token, our audience has surprised me many, many times. And uh, it's I... why I love them so much. And and there are more animals out there than I think I, I even realize. And so let this be the week where they shock me. The January in 2017, January now, the middle of the play- football playoffs, the January in 2017, when we did more downloads per episode than Adam Schefter is still my finest hour. I, I have that saved, that screen grab saved. It will never not be amazing to me. What That January, what the hell was going on? But people know. were, they were just all over us and poor old Shefty. That's when I would have moved Schefter on. I would have got rid of him then. Yeah, that's that's understandable. I got actually they're probably the bosses. But I think it was probably Skipper at the time. He probably said, Shefty, listen, don't worry. Those caught offside guys, you're not going to be able to compete with them. You just do you, champ. Look after yourself and keep going. I think it's the opposite. I think they thought we were just a one season wonder. And yet we persisted. And here we are to this very day. Um, so, yeah, we, we're going to talk about the the U.S. and Uzbekistan. We'll do a little bit on that. Kind of. um, yeah. Um, talk a little bit about some of this other stuff. Uh, I I'm saying right now that nothing's going on. They wouldn't agree in Germany. Uh, so no. we'll talk about what's going on, uh, in Germany with the German national team over the last 24 hours. Cause it's pretty shocking. Uh, a little bit on England, uh, Gareth Southgate made some comments that I thought were very interesting. Bruce oh. arena, you know, I, I'm changing my mind slowly as I'm going through the rundown here, like Bruce arena, stepping down for nefarious reasons, Southgate kind of lashing out a little bit in his polite sort of way. Germany making a managerial change. You know, maybe there is a lot going on. And by the way, everybody, we've even gone and done red card man of the match for you tonight. I know how people love that out there. I spent, good Lord, did I spend a while on that. You put that, JJ did the rundown. You put it on the rundown. And as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, it was like, it was like someone stabbed me. I said, oh no, it took me two hours trying to sift through work. I had to do some work. I had to do some real work. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm 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 delighted. I love my red card. It's it's an update with an old friend. Yep. Yeah. I saw yours. It is a good one. People will enjoy it. Mine, I, I think mine might shock some people. I think it's unbelievable what's going on. The people need to know what's happening right now in the in England, in the lower in the lower tiers of England. There's a thing oh. that's happened. There's a thing that's happened and the people need to know because it's it's hard. Wow. Yeah. And you oh, know you'll me, love I'm it. Lower, I'm lower league all I'm all over the lower leagues. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Okay, um, let's go. Come on, let's let's, st- get, let's get let's get the Usman out of the way. So yeah, let's let's do that. So the U.S. played Uzbekistan over the weekend in St. Louis. They won three nil. Um, okay. But uh, I would say that the scoreline does not reflect the feeling um, of U.S. soccer fans around the country. Uh, and I would say that I am one of them. There is. Like it's a weird thing to to win a game three nil, but sort of feel empty afterwards. Mm. And I know you asked the question on the rundown, JJ, of of whether or not this level of dissatisfaction is it fair, or is it U.S. supporters' penchant to quote give Greg a kicking? And I mean, I'll start by saying they did not oh. play well. No, they did not play well. Their attack in in moments or in certain games, for whatever reason, continues to look disjointed Mm -hmm. they had a hard time in this game generating anything more than half chances from for much of it 
Um, you know, meanwhile, while they're doing that at one end, Uzbekistan is generating legitimate opportunities. They hit the crossbar. I mean, the game went from pretty much like the 20th minute to the 70th minute without the U.S. really getting any kind of foothold in the action. So, like, I don't think it's just... And look, you know how we are with Bearhalter on this podcast. Everybody listening knows we're not like we're, we're not blind haters. We're not blind lovers. Like I think we judge him match by match and and that's how we go with it. Um I don't think that it's just people like hating on Bearhalter for the sake of hating on Bearhalter. I think that this game I think US fans are looking for a consistent run of what we did to Mexico in the Nations League. And when you see this game on the the schedule, you think, okay, well, that's an oppor- that's an opportunity for an absolute blasting. You know, even if we don't convert all the opportunities, we're going to see a lot of the ball. There's going to be chances. Like three nil can like that that scoreline can be different in different games. And this one was not a very flattering three nil. And by the way, the other reason I don't think it's unfair is because Bearhalter himself said this. He said after the game that they've got to improve, that this game has to be seen as a learning tool. Tim Weah spoke about it to MLSsoccer.com afterwards. He acknowledged that this was not a pretty game for them. He said, definitely a tough one because I felt like there was a lot of fatigue today. It's one of those games where you just have to knock it out, make sure we win, take the positives and the negatives, go back into training and do what we have to do. I mean, so it's not, this one is not just like, oh, let's all just rip on Bearhalter because that's what our muscle memory is when we talk about this team. No, this was not, considering who the opposition was, considering that a lot of the A squad was out there for the U.S., if you yeah. walked away from this one annoyed or aggravated, that's fine. That's fine. I I, I agree. I think it's fine to be annoyed. It's fine to be aggregate, uh, aggravated. I just will go back to what I've kind of consistently said about international friendlies, particularly ones that are completely divorced from anything. We're not really prepping for anything right now in this in this in this moment. Like Copa America, yet next summer, I'm aware. This is not that. This was getting the squad together, the first international break friendly in September, when guys are back with their clubs. And and that talk of uh, from way about fatigue. I totally understand that. How would you like to fly from Europe to St. Louis, which is still in its very much in its summer stage, to play in front of a three-quarter full stadium at best? How would you like to do that? Now, we like to think footballers, particularly in the international game, well, they're playing for their place. Well, you know, the pride in the shirt, the et cetera, the et cetera. No, no. They are only human too. And sometimes they're leggy. Sometimes it's hard to get to grips with. Also, if you are a aficionado of UEFA qualifying or, or any of those qualifying campaigns, you will you will know that some of these teams, they're just not the whipping boys they used to be. They're technically better than you think and they will give you problems. And they, if you're not up for it, it can become a slog. It can become as, I mean, the animals love when I use this word, things can get turgid. So, um, as much as I read nothing into the 2015 away wins against Germany and Holland, I read nothing into this one. Um, I think there's there's there'll be more interesting friendlies to come. There will definitely be next summer is going to be pretty exciting for the team. Oh yeah, and we'll Can't be wait. two years out from the World Cup. We'll be in a proper bona fide tournament two years out from the World Cup. So yeah. all I would say is. You pay your money, you support a team, you have every right to bitch and to moan 
about about it all definitely but i would just say these friendlies sometimes are a pure drudge for the players <laughs> so they just are and you can bang on about well you're gonna be professional well you're playing for your country star spangled banner yada yada, yada. i get all that sometimes it's just hard going and that is exactly what way spoke to you gotta knock one out which is a bit of awkward careful Please knock one out yeah <laughs> that's scary <laughs> What was that our producer used to say when we'd say something a bit risky? Careful now. Careful now. Um, yeah, you, you just got to get through this. Um, yeah. The talking, the talking points at the end of the game were like, all right, you know, there was no flow to the attack. That's that's a problem. I understand that. Um, you know, geez, what happened to the whole middle portion of the game? Why did the U.S. stop playing, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, fine. The, the other talking point was the soccer capital of the United States and how it couldn't it couldn't fill its stadium. Um, yeah i mean now i've as much as i don't want to ride the players oh i'm not going to ride the fans either i mean the tickets were a little bit much for a you know i've seen some people saying that the cheapest was 40 bucks 40 bucks to watch the u.s play against uzbekistan i don't care if it's the full string team that's it's not great i mean look when we see these stadiums this is not the first time this has happened and it is certainly not the last it's not rocket science like friendlies against countries where no one knows a single player on that team ain't going to do it. It's never going to equal big turnout. We're just not like I hate I don't I hate to break this to everyone because I know the people who listen to this podcast are not necessarily the people that I'm going to mention here. But we're not that kind of soccer nation. We're just not like sure. Brazil could play me, Jack and Luke and sell out the Americana that's that's not us <laughs> like that's not going on in the u.s and that's not just an indictment of soccer i mean this country's got no bigger obsession than than with the nfl you watch some of these preseason games there's no one there we need jeopardy yeah, yeah, yeah. we need we need there's something that needs to be on the line there needs to be a reason to go see it there's got to be at least a player on the other team that i'm intrigued by like this is offering this is offering not very much. Like I know we want to see our guys. I want to. I want to see Christian Pulisic in the flesh. Like that. That's cool. But that's not doing it for everyone. I mean, look, money. Like you mentioned, money. It's tight for a lot of people. We live in that reality. It just is. And it's not necessarily that they can't afford it. But in life, as you get older, as you've experienced, as I have experienced, as you get older, you have to make decisions with your money. And it's not that you. Like, yeah, I could afford to go, but you've got to decide, okay, I have to weigh the price plus the convenience, and I have to weigh that up against the enjoyment that I'm going to experience doing that thing. Like, that's how you make a lot of your financial decisions in life. Yes, I can afford it, but is it worth Is it? Worth it? And like, is the enjoyment you're getting out of a friendly versus Uzbekistan greater than the cost and the general bother of attending a game? And again, that, that general bother, it's not an indictment on soccer. I'm not saying that. Go to an NFL game at MetLife Stadium. I mean, my God in heaven, like that, it's a deterrent to wanting to yeah. go to a live sporting event because it's effing impossible to get out of there. You, if it's a night game, those giant fans last night, they sat through hell for that football game. It poured on them. It's a night game. They probably got home at 1.30 in the morning on a, on a Sunday night. Like So you weigh convenience plus cost, and is it greater than the enjoyment? I mean, look, I love the U- I love U.S. soccer more than anyone in the world, but like, what's the? I mean, come on, like, let's yeah. be real with each other. So, and like, by the way, those of you who went, I love you, I love you. 
and I want to hug each and every one of you. And by the way, I probably could if I wanted to. There were there were that few of you. <laughs> I think I could actually go on a crusade and hug all of you. But like, so you guys are the ones growing the game in this country. The people who went to that, good for you. Like you're spreading the, the soccer gospel. I love it. I'm proud of you. But I'm not mad at the ones who didn't. I get it. I, I totally get it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you on that. And like Anything in terms, yeah, well, in terms of some of the stuff you were saying before about just like the way this game is is being perceived, like, I mean, I, like I said all the stuff about how it's fair to be upset about it and be aggravated. But like the next question you have to ask yourself is, OK, I'm upset and aggravated, but now I have to decide how, just how upset do I want to be? Like, I just have a. You talk about this all the time. You taught me, JJ. I mean, it's one of the things that I learned from you is that like some of these friendlies, I mean, you 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 can't get me to get bent out of shape over some of these friendlies anymore, no. especially with what you said before about how this isn't really a friendly leading. This isn't a tune up. Like, no. I don't know what's this is it's a divorced from anything substantive. It's a glorified training session. And so, like, I just can't like, yeah, they didn't play well. And that's annoying because I spent time consuming it. And I didn't enjoy it, but like, you can't, I just don't, I don't know that I have it in me to use this game as any kind of barometer of where we're at. And like, that works both ways. When we had the back-to-back matches at the Gold Cup that we won 6-0, 6-0, like we're Novak Djokovic, we were told, like we made a joke about it on the podcast, we were told we are, we are not allowed to take anything away from it. It's a, it, this didn't happen. We can't take anything from it because the competition was St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad. And so I would suggest that the opposite applies as well to a match that, that this is far less meaningful even than gold cup group stage matches. Yes. Um, so, I mean, look, they've got stuff to work on. Like, you know, it, it wasn't a thing of beauty. It was disjointed. Um, I think some of it, JJ, we've talked about this before. I think our anger over these games oftentimes is just another byproduct of the fact that we are freaking obsessed with a team that never plays. And so I think that that can cause us to put mm. a little too much weight in some of these games that don't really deserve that much weight. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, we do like to get mad at this team. We, we do like to get mad at this thing. I mean, supporters are no different than, than other human beings like we we like to be mad at things sometimes it's cathartic to be upset yeah. it just is and uh, and this is an easy one to get upset by and also if there's confirmation bias whole oh, then wow. we are definitely getting into it like the, the <laughs> amount of people that said well you know anthony hudson's anthony hudson got more of a tune out of this team you know okay all right and listen that may bear fruit in the future that may turn out to be absolutely true like n- neither of us are saying that Bearhalter has come back with nothing to prove, and he is the absolute anointed one, the Messiah sent to bring us to the promised land. We're not saying any of that. No, what God. We, what, we, what we are saying is, this ain't it. This right. isn't telling you anything. Right. When, when we're when we're compiling the the evidence as to whether or not we want to convict him, like I don't think this makes the cut. Like this is not on the list of things that no. will be like. And that game against Uzbekistan, like. <laughs> No the judge. The judge will rule this inadmissible. Overruled. Yeah. Um, in terms of anything else from this game, I don't have much else. The only uh, two things I want to say briefly, Tim Weah continues to be, I think, maybe the most unsung hero of this team. There's a great goal that he scored. Nice layoff from Weston McKinney, but the finish. Oh, I was think Weston McKinney great. plucking that out of the sky with the extended 
hamstring and then just sliding it across to him was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a nice goal. And I just I just like seeing Tim Weah do well because for some reason I feel like sometimes he slips through the cracks in terms of uh, the players who get a lot of shine on this team. And I think he deserves as much. I mean, if you look at the the moments where he's contributed for this team, yeah. he deserves he deserves as much shine as pretty much anyone out there, with the possible exception of, of Pulisic. He always seems to give you something. Lately, he has. Yeah. Uh, regardless of his club form, whether he's starting or not, he, he does tend to give you something. Yeah. I mean, he started two of the first three matches for Juventus, so that that's encouraging. And, you know, him and Weston McKinney will continue to develop their chemistry over there and he's then bring just, it over he's here. just so. one, if we look at his career, wouldn't bank on it. Even when uh, Lille won the, the championship in France, like he he only started 50% of the games or something. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing, and I wonder if this will be controversial. I wonder if even you will raise an eyebrow at this. I, I'm not ready to make any big judgment. Like I said, God knows this is not the game to do it. But I just kind of want to keep an eye on Balogun and Pepe. I, 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 I don't know. For some reason, I feel like that could get interesting. Because I just, it, from what I've seen of Pepe... Since the World Cup, I just love the way he's come back from that. The goal he scored in this one was a really nice, well-taken goal. Um, I don't know. I, it was an open look when Balogun announced that he'd be a member of the U.S. Like we threw a, a party on this podcast. I mean, what a God, what a great moment. Um, but the thing that was always going to be hard to account for, like we always say, is oftentimes competition will bring the best out in teammates. And, you know, Pepe might have seen this as some kind of challenge on top of the chip on his shoulder from being left off the world cup. And you just never know on a young player who's still, I mean, right in the thick of his development, you never know the sort of way that something like that will impact them. Some guys it'll, it'll, you know, psych them out and and they'll be done, but others will rise to it. And I just feel like everything that I've seen from Pepe so far, I'm not saying he's, he's supplanted Balogun. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that yet. But I, it's just it's just something I want to keep an eye on because I think when Balogun declared, we all said, up, oh, that's it. Done and dusted. We have our number nine. And I don't know. I, I think Ricardo Pepe maybe still plans on being heard from in terms of who's going to hold down that position. So that's that's my only other thing. Anything from yeah. you? Um, no. I mean, it was nice to see Malik Tillman engineer a penalty. Converted um, mm-hmm. well. Um yeah, not not nothing really for me, Andrew. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to consign this one to games I will not be referencing in the future to to hang any opinions on. I'll put it that way. I would, you know, what I want, and like I I because uh, I'm not usually a proponent of this, but if someone, if one of our animals out there could get their hands on. Um, like one of those scarfs that get made up for like big games with like oh the half and halves. Yeah, I want one from this game. Oh, that'd be awesome. I want one from this game. Yeah, yeah. That would be be the most random one, <laughs> the most utterly meaningless and random one. <laughs> United States and Uzbekistan. I think that that is a really cool piece of American soccer memorabilia that I would like to try to track down. My brother, um, speaking of uh, former Russian Republic outposts that are in uh, UA for qualifying, my brother uh, was in Azerbaijan, not Azerbaijan. They say it Azerbaijan, I've been told. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there running. He was part of his running club. They went to uh, Azerbaijan, and he never told me. Hmm. Like, he never said. And we it says a lot about your relationship. I think, 
I think we have a good relationship. I just, you know, I'm I'm godfather to his little boy, uh, one of his little boys, and um, I I love him dearly. Why wouldn't he not tell me that? I don't know. That's that's very odd. That's odd. I think that you need to have a conversation with him. If Jess went to Azerbaijan or Azerbaijan, would you be and never told you what would you say? I would say what what's going on here? I thought we were close. Like, how? Yeah. What what's the deal with that? You got yeah. something you want to tell me? Is you got a problem with me? Wow. Yeah, I think you. I think you and your brother need to have a conversation. Um, just yeah. like Germany had an uncomfortable conversation with Hansi Flick, JJ, because oh, he gone. He's a pro with his segues. He gone. He out. He gone. He out. Um, he was sacked. Uh, and like, boy, who would have thought this was going to happen? Now I know that they're they're running. Fixtures... The Rafa Honigstein in his piece said he's the first German coach to be sacked. They don't get sacked. They they leave. Hmm. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Let me look that up. You t- you chat. That's extraordinary. No, yeah, but I, get, but when, when Flick took over, I mean, look, obviously he was coming off having led Bayern to a, a Champions League in 2020, and then he won his first eight games in charge of the German national team. Now, if you look at the opposition, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all that impressive, but still. Um, uh, but then just four wins from the next 17 matches. Uh and like the thing that I wonder about whenever a manager gets sacked, we always ask the same question. Was it fair? Okai Gundawan spoke and he said, a lot of our players, they're in a mental fight with themselves. There's no confidence. There's no understanding for the timing, for the right decisions on the pitch. Is that, is that a manager problem or is that kind of on players? Like when it's, when you've got a self-confidence issue, is that, is that the manager's fault? Um, just let me confirm. This is a sentence at an end of a paragraph. Oh, he was right. the first Germany manager to be fired. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, no, I think I think it's two things. I think we've had this conversation before, and I, I think it really does apply to international football, where the manager has much, le- the coach has much less time together with the players. You have to put a framework in. You definitely need that quick framework something that people can slide into when they come from their club sides i'm i'm more and more convinced that, that the more basic simple effective plan that you can come up with that's the one that works so that's on the manager but yeah the, i mean the manager can't come can't control the players and and sometimes sometimes there's a, a bad feeling or a a, a kind of a, a cloud over an international team we've seen it with england so many times but some of these guys too, if confidence is the problem, like some of them are bringing that, like Kai Havertz is bringing that from the Premier League back to Germany. Well, like well that's, that's not. An... I don't know if it's if it's like Hansi Flick inspired. Yeah, but Hansi Flick doesn't have to play him ahead of like Full Krug or someone else. He doesn't have to play him as a false nine. He, he doesn't have to do any of those things. Um, Rafa makes the point, and it is a point that we on this podcast cast did not dwell upon. We thought he was the bee's knees, and we thought it was amazing that he would leave Bayern Munich for the German job. We thought it was stunning, and that Germany were getting such an upgrade in manager now. Um, but Rafa comes at it from a different angle. Uh, this is from his piece in The Athletic. Perhaps nobody should have been surprised that a man with a total of 18 months of top-flight experience as a coach would sh- should struggle to build a side with a strong identity and then become progressively lost as he tried to correct his own mistakes, but only added new ones in the process. Hmm. The longer his ill-fated spell continued, and the more his inexperience showed, especially in the trio disasters of home friendlies, 3-3 against Ukraine, defeats to Poland and Colombia, 
that thrust him to the brink of dismissal in June. That's the point. He came in and he, uh, Rafa says in the piece, to the Bayern Munich, like he came in, Kovac was sacked. The team just rolled the crest of a wave, a la Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea. Um, I'm not saying there was no coaching involved. Of course there was. Came in, he did that job. But Rafa says that his first season, like his first full season as Bayern Munich manager was shaky enough and particularly defensively, and there there wasn't a lot of talk about that because he just won the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And the next thing, he's gone. So, like, Germany kind of looked at this guy, saw what he did. The sample size was too small. Um, and apparently, this documentary, this kind of Amazon Prime-style docu- documentary behind the scenes um, at the World Cup in Qatar was very damaging. Like, Flick was just desperate, desperately trying to use whatever personality he had, whatever tricks he had, whatever motivation he had to get something out of this team. And he failed. And apparently, I haven't seen it. I don't know if you've seen it yet. No. Um, I'd love to see it. But apparently, yeah, it wasn't, he wasn't able to do it. And maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just a case of a manager who hates in a lucky general. That's not fair. He had to do something right to steer that that Bayern Munich team to Champions League win. But maybe it's a case of a manager who's just got it right in that moment. But that doesn't mean that he's a great coach. Like, we've seen that before. We've seen managers before that are capable of doing things, but it, it's not indicative of a longer uh, ability to motivate and to put teams together. Yeah. Um, and that's what it feels like here. Well, that could be. I mean, look, his his book is not yet closed. Like he'll go manage somewhere else, and then you know, we'll we'll see what sort of success he has. A lot there. of ground to make up. He's fifty seven. Like, okay, he has this one shining thing on his on his CV, which was leading Munich to the Champions League. But he's he's got a lot of ground to do in in terms of building out that CV because this has been a disaster, absolute disaster. Uh, now, one of the things that I that I think you have to talk about with this is, okay, well, Germany are clearly, they're in this bad moment right now. They fire the manager, but what about the team? Is he managing right. a team that's just not what we think of when we think of a German team? So uh, in looking at the lineup from their game against Japan, just to go through it quickly, I'm going to say the players in that, in that position group, and you tell me like what you think of them. Very good, fine, okay. mediocre. Okay, goalkeeper, Ter Stegen. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, defensively, they started Nico Schlotterbach and uh, Joshua Kimmich at fullback, Nicholas Sula and Antonio Rudiger at center back. What do you think of that defensive group? Um, don't love Schlotterbach. Uh, don't love Sula. Hmm, okay. Kimmich, I mean, Kimmich is, Kimmich is a class player, but is, is that where you want him? And, and again, he would slide into a midfield role as well. I mean, it, it would be more of a case that I'm sure... I'd, um, that would become a back three as well, and he'd slide into midfield. He'd be kind of doing that double job that we see. Mm-hmm. Juan, though, there's there's some guys I've, I'm not so sure about. Uh, midfield, uh, you've got Gundogan and Emery Chan playing Chan playing in like a little bit more of like a defensive midfield position. Then no, Gnabry, Gnabry, Florian Verts, and Leroy Sané are more a little more advanced. Verts highly rated. Um, Sané, Moody, great player, but Moody, Gnabry. I mean, Gnabry is kind of 
I mean, he's shown his quality at club level. Uh, Emery Chan, I wouldn't just no, okay. no, and I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't see any kind of link or combination between Gundogan and and Chan. Uh, uh, off the bench, they brought Pascal Gross, Thomas Muller, Kevin Shade. Uh, those players came in off the bench. Uh, up front, by the way, is uh, Kai Havertz. No, <laughs> no, but again, like. If if you're saying well, you know, full Krug or someone like that in there, like there's talent there, but there's still there's still question marks and and um, yeah, a bit of a mess of a team, really. Yeah, it kind of is. Look, ultimately, I I would say I would look at that team and say that it, no, it's not as strong as some of the German teams we've seen of the last twenty years or whatever. However, no. it's probably better than four wins in their last seventeen games. And I think that's when you start to look at the manager. And so in the end, I would say if the question, if the initial question was, is it, was this fair? I would say, yes, this was fair. That's where I come down. Yeah, no, I think so. And also, you know, they're they're hosting European championships. They have to be good. They need a good tournament, Andrew. They really need a good tournament. The last three have been utterly disastrous. Yeah. Um, Let's see, a couple other Euro qualifying related issues. Just before we move off the Germans, uh, I wanted to mention one thing. So uh, Rudy Fowler, uh, former mustachioed and mulleted uh, German striker, he will take the Germans for the French friendly. Um, The names on the list for taking over full-time, Matthias Sammer, former enforcer in the center of the park, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, is being suggested, but I, I'm not sure if he if they'll go down that road. And Felix Magath, according to Twitter, has thrown himself into the into the mix. Now, you rem- may remember him as the one of the managers that helped get Fulham relegated in 2014. Um, and of course, the stories about him are legendary. Here's just a couple. Uh, Fulham, uh, Breda Hangeland said that he made them stand still at training for 40 minutes because Maggot said, well, you didn't run in the game yesterday. So they stood in position on the training field for 40 minutes. He had a mandatory team pint or a team drink. He always wanted the team to be together. So he would, at nine, they would have dinner together. They would go off to their rooms. And then at nine o'clock, they had to come down and they had to have a drink of some sort. Didn't have to be alcoholic, but it had to be like a pint, a glass of wine, a soft drink. They had to have a drink. That's okay. And, uh, Mm, forced forced congregation for adults not sure about that and then uh, uh, Breda Hangeland said that he suffered a dead leg one game but instead of listening to the advice of their physio Felix Magath ordered him to mix cream cheese with alcohol to soothe the pain and to and for him to call his mother in the evening he claimed the combination would help him recover from injury did it work? Uh, I would imagine it didn't oh. cream cheese and alcohol I don't know. I don't, I don't see problems with any of those. I, I kind of like the just standing still for 40 minutes. I think that that's a, a fine use of, of these players' time. Hey, that's a great name for this podcast, standing still for 40 minutes. Uh, well, I hope he gets the job because I think it would be very fun. Um, let's see. We continue now, JJ. Italy, they draw 1-1 with North Macedonia. North Macedonia, they put together they put together some interesting performances over the last uh, several years. Oh my uh, God! They're I don't know like, if they're quite they, the pushover uh, that people may envision them to be. What what did the ki- what do the kids say? Oh, they're they're rent free in Italians' heads. Obviously, they denied them in the playoff 
uh, the that famous World Cup playoff. They did not, so they didn't qualify for Qatar because of that, and and now they're uh, they're in their European Championship qualifying group, and they're they're causing problems again. Now the Italians moaned and complained about the surface. I watched the highlights; field was fine. I w- if anything, it was perfectly cut up. Uh, there was an acceptable level of cutting up, and I believe this field was just fine. Um, Ciro Omobile, uh, who started at centre forward, he. I mean, he just about, in off the post, just about scored into an empty net to put the Italians uh, 1-0 up. And they had carved out a few chances. And then a Bardi free kick went through the hands. Well, I don't think it went through the hands. It was a very good free kick, but the Italian media are saying that Donnarumma was at fault for it. And uh, and that's how it ended, 1-1, Andrew. Yeah. Um, so, kind of... Uh... Italians are there. The English are top of Group C. The Ukrainians are second. And it's Italy who should be fighting it out with the Ukraine for that second spot. Um, but Italy are currently on four points after three games. Uh, the Ukrainians have played one game more. so, um, But it's not exactly going to plan at all. No, and, and we'll go to England with that. As, uh, like you said, they drew 1-1 with Ukraine. No one was happy about it. I, I think, you know, we're talking about the U.S., Italy, England, I've said this so many times, but we live in a reality right now where no one is happy with their national team. They're just not. Uh, And, and, you know, England, who have been so good for the last several years with some of their best finishes at tournaments in in decades, um, you know, people hate the manager. (laughs) Like he, he is, he is under bear halter level criticism and he's not immune to it. So in coming out of this one, I think there was a lot of frustration over the way Phil Foden is being used. People saw, his performance, what was it, against Newcastle when he was played in the middle um, yeah. in, in sort of like a, a real number 10 type of role for Pep. And people saw that and thought, yes, this is it. And Phil Foden himself came out and said that this is where he likes to play most. And Gareth Southgate has basically said, uh-uh, you, you don't do the things there that we want you to do. Pep himself has told me this in my conversations with him, um, and we're not going to do it. He's and, and he would, to the point where he almost denied the fact that Foden played centrally in that Newcastle game. He said, if if you go, if you go back and really watch it, he's more, he starts out on the right. He's allowed to drift in centrally, but he's really playing on the right. I don't know. I thought I saw what I saw, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know more than Gareth Southgate. So he's probably broken the film down into a fine powder. So I'll, I'll defer to him. Um, but it's, but it's interesting the way fans, they will not let him up. And he, in his press conference, he he kind of referenced this. He said, when we beat North Macedonia, people were questioning the standard of the opposition. But Italy went there and couldn't get a win. We know the cycle with England. It's constant, but we have to focus internally on what's important for us. Uh, he's he's not immune to the noise. No, certainly not. Um, I just I just think with England now, you know, qualification. There's a there's a general sense uh, amongst English fans that. Southgate should have gone after the World Cup, Andrew. Um, and so some of the criticism is is kind of, it's just hanging around from then. And again, there's another perception, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this, that the shackles are on. And the shackles will, like, just let this team blossom, Gareth. Let the Fodens run wild and free. Let the Grealishes run wild and free. Whereas, that's not really ever worked for England. Not really. Not since 66. 
And this conservative approach or this more restrained approach has, has worked. So like they are losing their S over a draw against the Ukraine, but actually doesn't matter. They're going to they're going to counter through qualifying for, for England. Qualification doesn't really matter because they're always lately. They've always done it and done it with ease. Yeah. Um, I, I just think there's a bit of there's a bit of Gareth fatigue. Yeah. And, I mean, um, the, the problem is we'll never know. Right. Like we can like the England fans can moan and be upset all they want with the way that England play. But like we can't we don't we don't know what that other what the other alternative timeline is where England where Southgate took the shackles off and allowed them to play freely. And they're you know, they're open more in the back in their effort to push for like we don't know what that looks like. You know, like so all well, we know is argue, this. He would exactly he would argue that they they've done what they've done because they've played this way. And I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost there with them. I really am, because I remember teams with that could boast a midfield of. That, this is a, this is big to hear you say this. Yeah, I I think being pragmatic at international football level, playing just enough football, and England do play just enough football at times. Um, I mean, it's been a success. What this this is a golden era. I mean, 1990 was the only other semi final. Now they've been to a semi final of a World Cup. They've been to a European Championship final, which they went 1-0 up in. Now, that game, I still think he should have pushed on to try and get a second because I I really think after the group stage, the Italians were, were shaky and they never did that. And I th- I think that was the time to, th- to, to be a bit looser in the final and bury the Italians early and make it that they couldn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do that. Uh, World Cup in, in Qatar was okay. Uh, like England are in a position they've they haven't been in in a long long time, but this has been sustained success for them. And I can remember England teams that could have John Barnes, Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne in the middle of the field. You know, shackles were off under Bobby Robson. They still didn't win anything. I mean, you spoke to Michael Owen, and he and we agreed with what he said that that te- yeah. his team was more talented, but they didn't experience this kind of success. Certainly no, not. That, that's the point. Um, what we have coming up for England, though, Andrew, is Scotland. Now, the Scots, sneakily enough, although probably not that sneakily, are on a, an 11-game winning streak. They play, depending what time you're listening to it, tomorrow, which is uh, Tuesday, 2.45 p.m., Scotland versus England at Hampden Park. Hmm. The last time in 2017 they played at Hampden Park was an absolute belter. And it gave us probably one of the great calls and audio combinations. Crowd noise plus commentator calls. This is Lee Griffith's uh, goal to put Scotland 2-1 up against England in the 90th minute at Hampden Park in 2017. Armstrong still having a look. It slightly favours the right footer here. But Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. It's astonishing. Unbelievable moment. Unbelievable moment. And what a call. I mean, people have been saying for quite some time, now Martin Tyler is obviously retired, um, that he, you know, his calls had become kind of, what would you say, stoic or kind of reserved. Yeah, he's seen too much. It's hard yeah. for him to it's hard for him to get excited anymore. He's he's just he's seen too many things. Like what excites us won't excite him anymore. 
that day in Hamden Park was not one of those days. He was a man invigorated. And maybe it's because he doesn't get, he didn't at that point get, to, I mean, Sky didn't get a ton of international games, I feel. Um, he wouldn't have had a whole lot in the last 20, 25 years. Um, that was absolutely spectacular. And it was um, the sound of silence then when Harry Kane equalized was even was even more spectacular. Well, not an, un, more an unbelievable moment in its own for for different reasons in its own right. Yeah. And I and I don't think they could ever admit it because of who you know. It was Martin Tyler and Gary Neville, I believe, on the call of that. I I believe yes. I've listened back to it many times. I think that they were so wrapped up, even though they're English and that's what their audience is. Yes. Uh, I think that they were so wrapped up in the enthusiasm around them and the underdog nature of Scotland, of what Scotland were on the verge of doing. I think that they were disappointed when Kane scored that goal. Cause I think I, they knew it detracted a little bit from, from the bigness of the moment. I think you're right. I truly do. Don't forget guys. It was two almost identical Lee Griffith free kicks Incre- un- within minutes of each other. Right. Weren't they yeah. separated by like three minutes? Or- yeah. Incredible strikes from about 25 yards. Past Joe Hart in goal. And the place absolutely lifted. Wonderfully sunny day. A class. An absolute class. If I could yeah. go back in time and go to any game, it would that would be that would be on my list for oh, sure. I love that game um, so much. And Scottish lungs were were were, uh, were really in play that day. Yeah. Um, Lee Griffiths, there's another one. Yeah. When we're naming some guys with a lot of talent that didn't live up to their talent, Lee Griffiths is he's gonna be on that short list, Andrew. Uh, quickly before we exit some of this Euro stuff, JJ, I mm. did want to give you a minute to sound off on Ireland because it has not gone well. No, it hasn't gone well. Uh, defeat to France was to be expected, as we spoke about on the last podcast. Um, no shame in it. Two nil. Uh, the Netherlands came. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk handled. Adam Ida scored the penalty. Ireland go one nil up. Had an excellent first half. I really, you know, it was a quality first half. You felt like the Dutch were there for the taking. Uh, there was a change made at half time in the Dutch formation. They went to four four two, and they went ahead. And Ireland, they lost. They lost the game. They had to win. They are out of automatic qualification contention for the Euros. And Stephen Kenny's days are numbered, Andrew. And um, I think the Kenny experiment now is at the the end of. I think he's done an awful lot of good. A lot of churn in that squad. He's brought in a lot of. Uh, young new players including Evan Ferguson but I think it may be down to another manager to take it on the next step because we're not winning games that are there to be won the Dutch and the French game aside what killed us in this qualification campaign was Greece away um, losing that game losing games like that away to Scotland as well when we when we led Scotland at Hamden Park we're not in the upper echelon, so we have to be able to beat the teams that are in or around us. And we couldn't do that. In I or around. In or around. In or around Ireland, you know, um, we can't do that. And if we can't do that, if the manager can't do that, then maybe it is time for him to move on. But I do think maybe this is, doesn't have to be looked at in isolation. Maybe the work he's done in getting Ireland to pass the ball more, bring players, young players through, maybe that's, that's going to reap something great for the next manager. Yeah, it's just a shame he couldn't keep Ferguson. That's Andrew's subtle hint at last week's news, where uh, people got it wrong, saying that Evan Ferguson was in fact English and would def- uh, would defect to England. Yeah, it's too bad. 
Um, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll, uh, a couple more things to do on the other side. Red card, man of the match, Bruce Arena. Still a few things to get to here on a uh, on a Monday evening caught offside. Don't go anywhere. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back now on Caught Offside, and JJ, we started the podcast talking about this Jet game. They they've just gone and won the most ridiculous football game I've ever seen. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I've had it. If I've if I've seemed distant at all, I have, I have to apologize. But I had the game on next to me as we were recording. You phased out. No, but I, I but no, I didn't though. I was engaged the whole time, uh, but I was keeping an eye on it. And JJ, they just like they they. They scored the touchdown to tie it on an unbelievable catch. You've probably seen it by now by Garrett Wilson. It's ridiculous. Then they force a fumble immediately, kick a field goal to go up. Looks like they're going to win. There's a minute and a half left. Buffalo drive down to tie. It's the jetsiest thing you've ever seen. You think they're going to win. Buffalo, They Tyler Bass kicks a field goal, which goes off of the upright and through with two seconds left to force overtime. You think, oh, this is just the most Jets thing that could possibly happen. Buffalo wins the coin toss. You think, up oh, here it comes. And then they force Buffalo to punt. And what do they do? The Jets return the punt 65 yards for a touchdown. I can't even, I can't even believe if you're a Jet fan tonight, you know what? I don't know how many, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers injury is going to be. I don't know how many really good nights you're going to have this season, depending on the severity of that injury, which it did look bad. Have a drink like right now, right now, get drunk immediately from this moment until 3 a.m., whatever, because like the range of emotions for a Jet fan in that game are just ridiculous. I can't believe that they won the way that they did. Oh, sports, JJ. I just I just love sports. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, so Jets fans are going to wake up tomorrow morning. They're going to be like, we're without. I mean, well, here's the question. Would you have so they just won an all time great Jet game? Like this is a memorable Jet game that will be talked about forever among Jet fans. Yeah, but they lost Aaron Rodgers in the process. Would you have preferred this or the reverse? Let's say they lost this game twenty eight to ten, but Roger nothing nothing bad happened to Rodgers. He's fine. Um, I'd actually go for the win because a Jet fan can't be offered a win and turn it down. Also, the X ray. Says this negative. That doesn't mean anything, though. Doesn't. I doesn't. mean, it, it, that's. I I, I, hope, I, like, I don't want. I'm not. I hope he's fine. Like I think it makes for good drama. Like and the I want the it to be fun and him playing. But yeah, I don't know. 
we'll imagine see. this what, the way what Zach a ridiculous Wilson. game though imagine this is the way Zach Wilson establishes himself as an NFL quarterback imagine that yep. Aaron Rodgers the Aaron Rodgers gets injured and gives him his opportunity truly amazing anyway uh, let's go on with the real football not two, hand egg two quick things uh Luis Rubiales we had been saying for a while that this is always leading up to one logical end and we have finally reached it he resigned uh, which I guess means the hunger strike was over. I've got to believe that his mother's hunger strike ended a, a while ago. His mom, as far as I know, I, I didn't hear any updates after that, but his mom got sick on hunger strike. But very early on in the process, I think it was. Uh, but anyway, yeah. he's out. Um, it's He had to go. This had to happen. Um, and I guess hopefully this ends this hideous chapter Something that I I can't recall ever seeing for a team that just won a major tournament in the way that the Spanish women did with their manager then being sacked, with the president of the federation being fired, uh, or not fired, resi- resigned, forced into a resignation uh, over a, a, a the sexual harassment charges against him. Um, just this is a really ugly chapter in in soccer history and certainly in women's sports history. And hopefully now we can all just kind of be rid of this ugliness and focus on the uh, incredible achievement by the Spanish women in winning this World Cup. Absolutely. And I saw this photograph of Piers Morgan and Rubiales together. So I think he did an interview with Piers Morgan, which I'm not going to watch. Yeah, he did. Um, He spoke about all this. Uh, and I think he said that his his situation was basically becoming untenable. He couldn't lead from sort of the position that he becoming was becoming untenable. Good that's man. not a direct quote, but that's I'm no. kind of paraphrasing. Um, you know, what I got gotcha. you. Uh, and then similarly, JJ, um, another another resignation under uh, not the best of terms, and it's here on American soil, and it's Bruce Arena, mm. uh, American soccer coaching legend. Stepping down for uh, with the New England Revolution after um, claims made about some terrible things that he may have said. But I think you can remove the may have from this. MLS uh, said that certain allegations had been confirmed. And mm. Bruce Arena, in his own statement, essentially confirms it as well. He says, I know that I have made some mistakes. And moving forward, I plan to spend some time reflecting on the situation and taking corrective steps to address what has transpired. And while this has not been an easy decision, I'm confident that it is in the best interest of both New England Revolution organization and my family that we part ways at this time. JJ, if you go back, I mean, look, we all know Bruce Arena as sort of this kind of gruff character who's experienced a tremendous amount of success mm. be it in college, MLS, with the national team. But like if you go on and like really read about him, you know, there's a lot of articles written about the kind of guy he is. And like, yeah, I mean, for lack of a better term, like, I don't know any other way to say it. He's kind of described consistently as an a- like that's 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 what you get in the yeah. descriptions of people that know him. And some people say it about him almost lovingly, but I think I think that act it wasn't going to work forever. And I think he maybe in moments lost control of it. And it's you know you have to different generations take take your words differently. And I think we're into an era now where a lot of that doesn't fly anymore. And it seems like he, uh, he learned that the hard way. Yeah. I mean, 
if I'm putting money on somebody to say something that might not be PC acceptable or, uh, you know, or okay to say now in 2023, I'm probably putting money on the 71 year old Italian from Brooklyn. I think there's a good chance something might come out. Now, the problem is if it comes out regularly and is said in a context that is completely unacceptable. And clearly, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and by but, the way, one I mean, one of the complaints in this was was filed by his longtime assistant, Richie Williams. He was yeah. part of the his complaints were part of the investigation. I mean, so who knows the ways that, you know, look, now I'm speculating, which is probably not fair, but like, who knows how many times he's been berated over the years and he just had it. I mean, that, that would be one of my guesses. Yeah. And, and, and look, arena spans a pretty interesting as uh, certain managers did. Sir Alex Ferguson, they span an era where you could roar and scream at players. You could really say things. And an era where players won't accept that they don't want to be spoken to like that coaching has taken and coaching and management has taken on a different, a different hue, a different um, tenor. Yeah, and, I mean, this, this is from the athletic. They have a piece on all this. Um, I'm just reading here. The perception is that he's a longtime arena assistant. Dave Sarakin told sports illustrated for a, a piece several years oh, ago. If Dave. you, if you uh, he continues, if you talk to almost anyone in our business, they will say that. I mean, yeah, you know, Bruce Arena. He said things um, consistently. I mean, he's always been an extremely vocal critic of sort of like MLS establishment. I, I know him and Don Garber have had their wars over yeah. the years. Don Garber, um, he he has a quote here also. Uh, he said, "Bruce has the opportunity to be our Tom Landry." Garber told SI.com at the time referring to the legendary Dallas Cowboys coach, or our Pat Riley. And he continually puts himself in a position where he acts unprofessionally and he emotionally misstates the facts. And I think that's a shame. Um, so, mm. you know, this is, he's, he's, he's had a lot of success. I'm sure there's a lot of people that love him, but he's made a lot of enemies over the years as well. And yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, some of that maybe came home to roost here. It's fair to say for all the things I've said, someone who would be probably one of the, epitomes of a modern player in the sense of his age and um, his profile in the league. Uh, Carlos Heel had nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot. There was, I think, Mike McGee as well on Twitter. There was people who came out and really defended him, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you'll get a lot of that with with guys who are of that level of success with that sort of personality. There will be some people. You know, you would get. You used to get that about Bob Knight. I mean, some guys couldn't couldn't handle it, couldn't play for him. Other guys swear by him. Now um, we we have personal experience with Bruce. We spoke to him for his book. Mm-hmm. We asked him. I think we asked him fair, but sometimes difficult questions about the failure to qualify for the World Cup in 2018. I've met him in person a couple of times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he, he he cuts the persona of the of the gruff older coach who wants to do things his way for sure but yeah there was plenty of people to defend him and maybe maybe he's just someone who's caught out of his time does that make yeah. sense i mean making excuses here maybe um well no i i understand what you're saying 
And look, I mean, he I don't know where his career goes from here. He's 71. If he wants to get back in MLS, he has to basically he has to petition to be reinstated. Um, mm, so this very well, th- this may be the end. And I think he can sit here and he can make a, a pretty damn good case as being the greatest manager in the history of American soccer. Um, like I said, he experienced huge success on the college level. Then he took the step up. Um, 81 wins with the U.S. men's national team, far and away the most. Presided over maybe our greatest success in the 2002 World Cup, but also well, maybe a motive. But also unquestionably our greatest failure. I mean, it was kind of a team effort with him and and Jurgen Klinsmann. But Bruce was oh, there we'll get for, to him. Bruce was there for the latter part of that. Uh, in 17 seasons as an MLS manager, he has a ridiculous catalog of success: five MLS Cups in 17 seasons, four Supporter Shields a U.S. Open Cup, a CONCACAF Championship, four-time MLS Coach of the Year. He's a legend. He's an absolute legend. And and this is a kind of a sad way uh, to see that end if this is, in fact, the end, which it, it sort of feels like it. Can you see him petitioning to get back into the league he helped build with the teams that he, he managed? No. Just no. That's it. Yeah. Um, so Bruce Arena. um not not the ending that he probably would have anticipated to go out like this. Uh, and then one other one, JJ, before we get to our red cards, man of the match, this is kind of, this is like the ugly section of the show. <laughs> A lot of like, just, I yuck. wanted to call it. He gone. <laughs> well, this guy might be gone for four years. Paul Pogba mm. test positive for testosterone. Um, and it, he's facing a potential four year ban. I mean, this, this career of Paul Pogba's it's one of the most bizarre career paths. I think that we've seen in this era, maybe the last 25 years of soccer from like starting out at Manchester United is what we thought was a phenom, but he couldn't play there. I think there were Sir Alex Ferguson, I think had some attitude concerns about Pogba. Then he goes to Juve seems to justify all his talent, validate all of it. Um, becomes what the most expensive player in the world goes back to Manchester United. It all falls apart again, but all throughout, like there's like these like little it's it, his career path is like pockmarked with disappointment, but mixed in there are these moments of brilliance on his, the national team level with France. Um, and now it, it leads up to this, a potential four year ban for a banned substance. Uh <sighs> Uh, he it's it's a truly maddening career because you saw what the talent was and what this player could have been and i mean it feels jj to me i don't know what the length of this band is going to be um but i don't know that we're ever going to get whatever we were waiting for this career to turn into i think we can say now that's just not going to happen we've seen the best of this guy and it and it feels like it feels like we just never quite got the fulfillment out of the Paul Pogba experience that we thought maybe we would get. Now, in terms of process, uh, Nato Italia, the anti-doping agency, said that Pogba was suspended provisionally with immediate effect pending a trial and testing of his backup B sample. Uh, The AP reports, if the backup sample confirms the positive test, then the 30-year-old Pogba could get a lesser ban if he cooperates with authorities. I agree with you. And you know what's funny, Andrew? Watching France just rip Ireland apart at times and and looking at just all their talent coming off the bench and starting for the team. I didn't once think about Pogba. I didn't think where's Paul Pogba. And you, you think about what he did in 2018 in the world cup Mm -hmm. and the position he put himself in. Uh, It's a bizarre career 
uh, with with I think missteps, a lot of missteps, and uh, and this might be the biggest one of them. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what this turns out to uh, what this translates into in terms of a length of the suspension, but it could be a while before we see Paul Pogba again. Uh, all right, JJ, let's uh, let's go ahead and and let's make the people happy and do this now. Red card. Uh, I'm going to go first, if that's okay with you. Uh, it's not usually what we do, but okay. I don't I don't care. Uh, so for my red card, JJ, we head all the way down the pyramid, all the way down, down, down to the sixth tier of English football in the National League. Uh, did you? Place, you're do you not know, comfortable. Do you know where I'm going with this? I don't know no, if you've heard. I have okay. no idea. Oh, you're going to love this. Thirteenth place, Buxton led second place Scunthorpe on the road 2-1 late in the game. Ten minutes of stoppage time were put on the board. We were deep into it. Match was in the 96th minute. The skies opened up. A downpour ensued. And the match official stopped the game in the 96th minute out of 100. And the National League released a statement afterwards saying that the fixture will be rescheduled in full. Oh, no. They're replaying the entire match. They got to the 96th minute when the official then decided it was time. But uh, this red card has layers. There are layers upon layers to this red card. Here's where the red card really comes into play. And ironically, it deals with an actual red card. So they're going to replay this match. So in theory, you would think that that means, okay, well, then it's never then it's like it didn't happen. But that's not what that's not how they're treating it. Buxton's Connor Brown was shown a red card in the match. With the match being abandoned and replayed, you'd think all the stats and bookings would be wiped away, but Connor Brown's red card is going to remain in effect, and therefore he's suspended for Buxton's upcoming FA Cup fixture against Macclesfield. Oh, no. How is this? How can this be allowed to happen? Who's making up these rules? This is this is utter madness. Now, they said the match was abandoned because of a waterlogged pitch, but they it was pouring like they played for they played on it almost the whole time. But then they get it's, to the 96th minute and then that's when they decided, OK, this is this is too much. They couldn't let it go four more minutes. I mean, I read a lot about this. To the best of my knowledge, I didn't see the word lightning anywhere. That's the only thing that would have made me like have some pause on this. If there was like real lightning in the area and you had to clear the field, then OK. But I didn't in, in all the articles I read about it. Lightning was not mentioned once. Only only waterlogged pitch. But there was just four minutes remaining. And when the referee blew the whistle to end it, Buxton thought that they had won. So they went over. There was a, This was a potentially huge win for them against Scunthorpe, who were second in the table. So they ran, ran over to their way section to celebrate with the fans, only to find out later in this statement that the game was being replayed in its entirety. So now they got to travel all the way back, which for a club like this in the sixth tier, that kind of travel is a big expense. And they've lost this player to a red card from a game that, quote unquote, didn't happen. So he's going to miss an FA Cup fixture. This, this is, is crazy. This is a travesty. And I will be supporting Buxton with all my heart in that makeup fixture. Come on, you Bucks, founded in 1877, playing in the Silverlands. Yes. This is my club now in the sixth tier of English football. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong what's happened to them here on multiple levels. I don't get it. I, rules need to be changed. This is this is not right. What's going I on? Think here. It's absolutely crazy to do that in the 96th minute. Andrew, I'm not casting aspersions. I would never do that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But that is fishy stuff. That is right. That is that smells I, really really bad. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did because I yeah, thought that I too. I don't like that at all. 
to leave it that late is crazy. In fact, the referee is well within his rights. If it's the 96th minute, just to cut like 30 seconds or a minute off and just blow the whistle for full time. That's it. This is... Again, I, if it was if there was lightning, I'd understand. But a waterlogged pitch that was probably waterlogged for the last twenty minutes, like yeah, no, no, no. Why, why suddenly it, then is the moment? If he couldn't call it off twenty minutes ago, he can't do it with that that little amount left on the clock. I I totally agree with you. I am back in the box too. I'd also say while this is a bad story, it is great to see the birth of old non-league Andy. That is, we've been looking for this guy for a long time. I remember I used to do segments like this, and you would roll your eyes. Well, nothing now, you ever did was as interesting as what I just did here. It wasn't. And you know what fascinates me? I did what? not know that Scunthorpe, a team who had been in, in league football for so long, are, and they would be, by the way, compared to Buxton there, Scunthorpe are a massive club. They're like enormous. Yeah, this was a, a huge a huge win for Buxton that was wiped away under very odd circumstances. Yeah, that's I, I I hate that. I hate that. Andrew, that is one of your best red cards ever. I didn't wow. phase out for one second of that story. That is our barometer for success on this podcast. <laughs> um my red card is an old friend. Hello, old friend. Jurgen Linsman. Oh, Jurgen, Jurgen, Jurgen. Well, who now, do you I think are say... our all-time leaders? I wish we had kept track over the years of our who's got the most red cards on this show. I know Mark Overmars, I think, had a lot of them. Or no, 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 no. it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't him. Uh, another Mark Belgian, Vilmot. Vilmot. <laughs> Vilmot. You, yeah. you had a thing against former Belgian international and Belgian manager of Mark Vilmot. It was pathological at one point. At <laughs> one point, Vilmot contacted ESPN and said, "If I did, if I didn't enjoy Andrew and the Michael K show so much, I'd be looking for his head right now." Yeah, we we got a cease and desist from him. It was really harrowing. Whatever that is in Belgium. Um. Yeah, Jurgen Plinsman, old Jurgen, uh, back on the podcast. Now, I will admit I have Korean family uh, who are near and dear to my heart. Uh, but I will say that I only check in with Korea during the big occasions. However, Korea are playing some friendlies in Britain. They played against Wales and Cardiff. And the the logistics and the scheduling surrounding these games has caused a few raised eyebrows in the Korean soccer press and in the Korean Football Association itself. Uh, this, of course, all orchestrated by former U.S. men's team national manager Jurgen Klinsmann, also technical director. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. So I spent a good, I don't know, good part of my weekend on Korean soccer Twitter. Uh, Korean football news got a follow from me. So they begin with this tweet. Jurgen Klinsmann has been named on the squad for today's charity match between FC Bern and Chelsea. The KFA, that's the Korean Football Association, has stated that Klinsmann will not participate due to national team training schedule, but he does not understand why his off-hour schedule is controversial. This is from Korean paper Sports Chosen. <laughs> now, they're training. They're training in London, Andrew. They played a game in Cardiff. Where's their next game? Are you asking me? I'm asking you. Uh, Seoul? No, their next game, Andrew, is tomorrow, which is Tuesday, in St. James's Park against Newcastle, uh, sorry, Saudi Arabia. Oh. Uh, of course, in that totally normal friendly that's happening. Now, oh. I'm I'm telling you that setting up your training base... 
in London for a game in Wales even, never mind Newcastle, is a bit weird. Korean Football News follows up. Klinsman set up the national team training camp in London, 460 kilometers away from the stadium for the next friendly. The KFA said they didn't know the reason for selecting the camp location. Korean media outlets is paying attention to the fact that the venue for this charity match is London. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, this. <laughs> oh, oh, they put two and two together, KFA. Um, Klinsman, uh, the, the tweets are brilliant. Klinsman revealed he had not heard. This is another wrinkle in, in, in problems already emerging. Klinsman revealed he had not heard from anyone during negotiations with the Korean FA that he would have to reside in Korea after taking office. Regarding this, the KFA explained, quotes, we clearly told Klinsman that it would be better for him to reside in Korea. Here's, uh, here's Jürgen going on a charm offensive, though, trying to smooth over the troubled waters with his employer. Quote, I am a workaholic like Koreans. Okay, interesting. Uh, wherever I am, I work for the Korean national team. <laughs> Do ya? All I can say is that I'm 100% focused on the Asian Cup. I also want to emphasize that in order to be successful, I must choose what I think is the best way to work. Oh, wow. That is a great... I, I hope that plays with his bosses. Now, um, years ago, we're going back to 2006. Uh, the big, big thing we heard about Jürgen Klinsmann was that the uh, the Deutscher Fußballbund, the German FA, did not really believe he was fully committed because he wanted to manage Germany. This was the rumor now. He wanted to manage Germany from California. Now, you can see how that's tricky. I think this guy needs to just embrace retirement. This does not strike me as a man who wants to be working. I don't know if it's the paychecks or if it's just like he wants to be around the game in some form. But like this, let's just call it what it is. Like he doesn't want to do the job. He wants like all the glory and success and praise that comes with it. But I don't he obviously doesn't want to do the work that goes into these jobs. So like he's got one foot in, one foot out. But that's not how you do this job. He's got to get out. Just retire. Be a broadcaster. He's a good talker. I mean, although he did broadcasting before. I don't know if it was actually a huge success for him. Yeah, I no. don't know. But this guy, there's something out there for you, Jurgen. But th- I don't think this is it. He's truly amazing. He's absolutely amazing. This this like, thing of, of sets having... up the training camp so he can play. I mean, like, imagine if like my family, if we were planning a family vacation and like the Philadelphia Union had a game against Sporting Kansas City, but I didn't tell anyone. And my and Amanda and the kids, if they're like, oh, we want to go to Disney World, I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, we want to go to the Grand Canyon. No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, we, we you know, all, all these great places. And, and then I say, no, no, no. Actually, uh, we're going to Kansas City. Oh, okay. And then you get there. Oh, oh, how about that? The Union are playing here. Well, let's go, everybody. Like that's what he's done. There's no reason for them to have been in London. This is this is a borderline scandal. I think. It's amazing. It's so good. It's it's like it's in sports, <clears throat> sports administration. Usually you see guys going on junkets, like any excuse, free tickets for the Olympics, free tickets for the World Cup, all that kind of stuff. You see guys just living the high life. Jurgen's decided to do this with a powerhouse 
of Asian football. When is the Asian Cup? I got to find out when that's on because this I am I am locked in, absolutely locked in. Uh, let's see. Let's um, let's continue now. We wind it down, of course. JJ with caught offsides, man of the match. Uh, I'll go here, JJ. Of course, as you know, we are recording this on September 11th. Um, like you said at the start of the podcast, a uh, or before we started recording, we were talking about it a little bit. Um, probably the most unique date on the calendar. It stands out to everyone in this country and around the world, of course. And I, I saw a story on stars and stripes on, uh, on their blog um, uh, that was set in Germany at the uh, Fritz Walter stadium, home of FC Kaiser uh, They hosted a stair climb at the stadium to honor the 343 firefighters who lost their lives on this day in 2001. Um, I'm reading now from, from their article that they have at stars and stripes. American airmen and soldiers stationed in the Kaiserslautern military community, as well as U.S. and German firefighters, climbed the stadium's east stand. The stair loops were repeated 30 times to total 2,071 steps, equaling the number to get to the top of the 110-story Twin Towers. Um, JJ, some of the firefighters that were taking part of this, they wore all their gear for a tribute uh, on a day where temperatures were right around 90 degrees uh, in this part of Germany. Um, it's a nice commemoration comprised of both Americans and Germans. Um, obviously a day that I know you and I, we've, we've talked about that day, countless, countless hours, I feel like, um, and you know, the impact that it left on us, on, on everybody in this country. And so little, you know, little tributes like this within the soccer community are, are, are nice to see. Um, and certainly to pay tribute to all those who were lost on that, on that awful, awful day um yeah that's uh, a that's a, that's a lovely thing to do yeah um i took an hour today and i went to greenwood cemetery to uh visit with the there's um some of the uh, firefighters who were lost in they were from ladder 118 in uh dumbo in brooklyn and their entire firehouse was wiped out oh jeez. and i went to uh i went to just visit with the with the graves there because i knew they were in um Greenwood and I'd never been there and went to say just just to pay your respects you know mm-hmm. uh, so it was uh, a Vernon uh, Cherry and um, Joseph Agnello and uh, Peter Vega are the, are the three uh, from that firehouse that are buried there and uh, the, obviously their families had visited there was wreaths laid American flags were laid by I, I assume um, either the families or, or Greenwood Cemetery authorities themselves but um that was uh, Agnello, Cherry, Davidson, Regan, Smith, and Vega. There's that photo of them crossing the Brooklyn Bridge towards the Burning Towers. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the last run of Ladder 118. Um, and their um, their duty their duty board is... I visited the the firehouse, and their duty board for 9-11 with their names is um, a seal behind glass, so it's preserved forever. And, uh, yeah... It's one of those days. It's 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 me and you have have spent so much time talking about about it. If you live in the city or you just remember where you were on that day, it's um those memories are those images will never leave you. And um and the sacrifice of those people that day, especially the firefighters, is yeah immense, immense. Yeah. Um. What do you have? Um. <laughs> My man of the match is uh, Sandro Wolfinger. 
Liechtenstein's defender who scored the worldie heard round the world. Well, not really. I've made you include audio of this goal. It's an absolute cracker. And I don't think a goal of this quality has ever been greeted with such silence. I don't know why that needed to be included. There's no, there's no commentary. The crowd nope. barely reacts. Nope. Uh, but it, it was an absolute belter. And, and there's enough audio there. You can hear the corner kick being taken. You can well, hear the I, ball It's because I had to, I amplified it in, in editing. Well, as no Roy one King would hear said, anything. It was like Roy mice. King, Roy Keane would say, you're doing your, you're just doing your job, Andrew. Doing your job. You said to me, I was just trying to create work for you. Yeah, this was make work. No, it wasn't. It added nothing. No, it was soccer ASMR. Some people are going to find that very sensual indeed. Um, so the ball pops out and Wolfinger just absolutely leathers the volley. How good a goal is it, Andrew? Come it's on. an unbelievable. It's an unbelievable goal. It's an yeah. amazing goal. It's aesthetically pleasing the way the ball is like hammered, but also kind of floats. Yeah. Um, but for everything that we say about Scottish lungs, you're not going to hear much about Liechtenstein lungs. No. So this Sandro is Andrew Wolfinger, Liechtenstein <laughs> footballer, plays for FC Ballsers, 32 years of age. That's your man of the match, huh? That's my man that of the match. That's great goal. I mean, to score a belter like that, that's one I would retire after hitting that one. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, that I think that's it for this podcast. Congratulations if you've meet if you've made it to the end. You're one of the few. Like I said, it's probably one of the least consumed pods that's ever happened. If you're still with us at this point, you're you're a hero. You're one of the heroes of this podcast tonight, and uh, and we appreciate it enormously. Um, we'll see about another one. I don't know. JJ seems a little cool on the USMNT Oman emergency pod, but I'll see if I can convince him uh, as the week progresses. Uh, that's 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 my burden. That's my cross to bear in the situation. None of you have to worry about that. I'll work. Yeah. On by it. the way, there's a there's a if everyone wants to go over to R forward slash caught offside, there is a vote going on uh, continuing which is about team versus sport team. Oh, versus interesting. Sport. Um, and, I, and, I didn't uh, want to give people the wrong impression. Like I don't care about sports. You know how much I'm, I'm obsessed with sports. I just, my, my interest in my own team is greater than my interest in the sport as a whole. My love of the team so, is greater than my love of the, of the sport. So far, narrowly team is, uh, is winning against sport, but it's only up a day. Okay. So, um, if people yes. want to get over there, interact with the rest of the listeners, it's a good spot to be. Um, it's also a friendly spot most of the time, except when I'm not being called a liberal with somebody. Oh, did that happen? It happened because, of course, I said that climate change is something that's happening. Oh. Uh, and that the protesters have a point, even well, if <laughs> I don't agree with the way they're protesting. That, of course, got me called a... a um, a beta, a beta male, beta male. Okay, uh, yeah. It's one of those right wing um, abusive talking points. Oh, get called a liberal, a beta male. What else was it? Oh yeah, and and to get my fifteenth, <laughs> like it's like this guy was reading a script of like right wing insults to anybody who disagrees with you. Get my fifteenth uh, vaccination booster or something. Great, great stuff. I wouldn't open with it at your comedy set in Missouri oh, or wherever you are. There we go. Yeah. Come on, rile them up. Keep going. What else you want to, what else you want to say to him? No, just, come on. No, no, no. Let it all out, JJ. Leave it alone. We uh, leave it alone. 
See, that's not healthy, though. What? For you to, for you to it... come back at him like this. This is this is what creates the tension that we have today in this country. Oh, I, I'm yeah. Is you're it? part of the problem. Yeah, no, he's fine. He's uh, he's free to uh, to say whatever he wants about me. It's fine. In fact, the moderator, the automatic moderator on the Reddit, had banned his comment, and I let it through. Well, like it wasn't that bad what he said. But again, don't open your comedy set, um, in front of your cousins, uh, with the with that material. It's not great. Beta male. Interesting. Beta male. What does that mean? I don't know. Well, an alpha male, I guess, is like oh, quote, a quote unquote strong, you know, and you're not is what he's saying. You're oh, right. I'm a subordinate. Yeah, a man tending to assume a passive or subservient role in social or professional situations. All right. Before we continue, just shedding listeners by the by the bushel. Let's go ahead and end this. (laughs) Let's just just end this thing. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. To you I say Thank you later, phone boy. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 